Whoa, hey, how's it going, Andrea? Very well, thanks. How are you? I'm all right. I was just in the middle of a show, but I saw, I noticed um, we had this scheduled, so I'd hop in. How are you doing? Yeah, really good. Thanks for accepting the invitation to do a show. I did notice that you were already in a show with a couple of other people. How was that? That's all right. How did that go? Uh, yeah, it was good. We were just listening to music and having a chat and all that thing. I'm, I'm sure... I'm sure Charlie's going to be a little bit fucked off because I ditched him, but he's American. It's okay. Oh, yeah, it's fine. Whole different scheme going on in the States. <laughs> <laughs> it's fine. We can mug them off. No problem. Look, he's American. It's fine. He'll get over it. Yeah, exactly. So how did you get involved in stereo? I can see you've got quite a lot of shows in your back catalogue. Um, Honestly, it it's just... Uh, it's just a matter of being on it a lot, I guess. Um, and I've been on, I've been active on this for a couple of months. But prior to that, I, uh, I, I didn't use it for a while actually, and because initially, I used it for maybe about a couple of weeks, and I didn't really know what to make of it. Um, but then I came to came back to it a little while later, and I started using it a bit more. So, it's just it's just a matter of persistence, really. Just just you know. Coming, being on it often, I guess, being more active on it. That that's how you you do that. Yeah, I mean you've built up quite a fan base, haven't you? Um I don't mm, I don't really consider people fans because I don't interact with anybody really uh, in sort of <laughs> a fan kind of way. But um I've got I've got uh, you know um a healthy amount of followers. Yeah, looks like it. Yeah, you're doing well. Yeah, I mean, my aim isn't really to. I mean, my aim isn't really to get you know get any kind of clout or anything. Um, it just sort of no. comes with. It just sort of comes with being active on this a lot, I guess. Yeah, so you're not kind of fame hungry. You're not looking to get. Um, you know, uh, like my dad wrote a porno levels of fame or anything like that. Oh no 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 no! I'm I'm uh, the first thing. I, I mean, the reason why I have, look at the end of the day, I'm just here just to chat with people. Um, yeah, you know, and just have a good time, and whatever comes along with that, that's you know, that's just an extra positive thing. Um, if somebody gets something out of the stuff that I've said, that's great. But I'm mostly just here just to have a general discussion about stuff. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, same as me. So I'm glad we're on the same wavelength. Mm. So today. Yeah. So how long have um how long have you been on this app for? Um, only only a couple of weeks, really. I've done a couple mm. of shows with a lady called Paloma. We got randomly kind of matched together. I think we came online at the same time, and we just started having a conversation. Um, the first time that we spoke, we were both a bit drunk. Um, so that was yeah, as you do, yeah, as you do. Yeah, um, sounds sounds like a good way to start and get the ball rolling, you know. Yeah, it was, and we just found that actually talking to random people through this app is quite a fun way to pass the time. And if anybody else wants to listen, and uh, you know, if anybody else enjoys it, then yeah, like you say, that's just an absolute bonus. Yeah, because the thing is, I don't know any of these people that I talk to on a personal level. 
Um, yeah. So I, in the same way, I wouldn't want people to feel like they have some sort of personal relationship. And I think that's very much a, that's actually a big issue that we see a lot of these much, much bigger, much more popular uh, internet personalities uh, having to deal with at the moment is the people are getting so, um, the, they feel like they have this, this kind of interpersonal relationship with the person, even though they've never met them, you know, they only get to see one angle, you know, one, one, one side of things. Um, and with something like stereo, like I said, I just like to come in and chat to people. So I, it, it, I like the thing that the people that are following me, um, wouldn't idolize me or wouldn't think of me as, as, as like a, a um, you know, a, a, a perfect idea of how somebody should act because I myself make mistakes all the bloody time. Um, and I know some people can get very carried away with this concept of having fans and popularity. Um, and yeah, I think anybody, anybody with the right mind would, would straight away say, look, don't idolize this sort of thing. Um, of course you should enjoy it for what it is as entertainment, but, yeah. uh, yeah, yeah. In terms of like how followers work and stuff like that, I, I really couldn't care less. Yeah, and I mean, you used the word idolize there. That's quite a grandiose term for a potential outcome for things. I mean, are, are mm-hmm. people that fanatical? Do you think? Uh, yeah, I'd say there's definitely there's definitely um, groups out there that are fanatical about individuals. Um, I mean, just take take a list celebrities for example. Uh, people will idolize, you know, the media will, you know, put this centered focus on them as if they're this perfect person and that they're kind of this obtainable goal, the, the golden standard that people should look up to. Um, when in actual fact, you know, you don't get the full story on things and, and people will, will uh, not all, but there are some out there that will idolize somebody and, and, um, and hold somebody to the standard and feel like they, they can do no wrong. Um, and so mm. I've noticed in situations where maybe a celebrity has made a bad decision or done something that w- should be condoned, there'll be a group outside of that that regardless of whatever um, whatever it is that this person has done wrong, they'd still find a way to advocate for it or you know spin it to make it seem like a like a good thing but that's just kind of what i've observed in a few cases that's not um that's not necessarily the majority oh yeah and that's very much a uh yeah rose tinted glasses scenario isn't it if you yeah cannot fathom that this person that you idolize has done something wrong you can't even see that they're human anymore yeah. um i think that's, that's actually quite a dangerous place to be in and quite an immature thing i don't think i've had that level of fandom towards anybody since I was a teenager. So yeah, you can understand when it's like a young uh, teenager where they're idolizing like a, a boy band or something like that. Let's just give like yep. a trivial example. Um, <laughs> yeah, but it's a very very real example. To be fair. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's a reason why I, I, people use that example is because not only is it is a bit of a stereotype, but there's an element of truth to it. Um, and people can have the same view of, of A-list celebrities. They can have the same view of anybody. You know, you can idolize anybody. Um, mm, but to think yeah, that, okay. that people can do no wrong, um, it's, it's a bit of a foolish um, standard to set, in my opinion. 
yeah, and it's just you're just setting an impossible standard then as well. Mm. You can't. But not only that, but there are groups of people that will uphold that standard as if the person can't do anything wrong as well. You know, so it kind of it's uh, it kind of feeds into itself in that way. Oh yeah, definitely. Who's um? So is there a celebrity that you've ever massively idolised? Who would be the biggest person that you've ever been a massive fan of? Um, I don't know. I've never really had that fascination to that level. Um, I've always kind of taken things with a grain of salt. I definitely, yeah. uh, I'm definitely inspired by people's work and their dedication to to what they do. Um, but in terms of feeling like they can do no wrong, there's never been a time where I've I've completely agreed with somebody and there's always been something that I've disagreed with or felt like um, maybe I'd have a different opinion or something like that. So it's never been, you know, 100% um, in in somebody's favour, you know? Yeah, and that sounds like quite a healthy approach to have rather than just blind fandom. Yeah. I, I like to think so. I mean, I like to think that's a quite a healthy view to have, yeah. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, like you say, the people that you have at least admired, they've all had some sort of talent or pizzazz or, you know, something interesting about what they do, which makes it worthwhile. Whereas I feel like people gain fame these days for not a lot of talent. Or is that just me being really... Yeah, no, I think think you're right there in terms of um, the way we idolise people and we we uh, turn them into a celebrity, for example, just for being on a reality TV show. Um, yes. You know, even if somebody was on uh, just one season, suddenly they have, um, you know, uh, this, this fandom around them. Um, I mean, when, when you consider going back a few decades, obviously this is, this is before my time anyway, but if you consider what would be considered your your kind of rock star, your kind of idol in the sense that they'd have a, a musical talent. Um, yeah. They'd have kind of something to show for their status. Yeah. Whereas today, it's, it's, it's so much broader than that. Yeah. I'm thinking of um, YouTube stars, for example. Yeah, I mean, you could take something like something big, like I don't know, let's say the, um, the beauty industry on YouTube, for example. Yeah. Um, yeah, you. It's like you can have people who are very successful in marketing what they do, but in terms of uh, who they are as a person, that's an entirely different. Um, that's an entirely different argument, you know. Yeah. Definitely. It's, it is just, yeah, crazy. You can market anything, really, on YouTube. Mm, yeah, yeah. There's, there's, um, there's stuff on YouTube that is, is very much plays into... Uh, uh, it kind of plays towards purely kind of monetary gain. But there's yeah. also people out there with genuine skill or they have... Um, you know, they have maybe a personality trait or something that that uh, makes them interesting, you know? Yeah, I mean, I would argue that quite often they don't. Um, <laughs> I, I struggle to see what the appeal is sometimes. But then I guess yeah, some of this is 
generational. If you don't mind me asking, how old are you? I'm 24. Okay, so we are just about different generations then. You're Gen Z, aren't you? Yeah, yeah, I'm just within the brackets of uh, Gen Z, yeah. And how do you feel about the, um, you know, the kind of media portrayal of your generation? Um, it's nothing new for the media to betray people in, in a category like that. Um, yeah. It's typical for the media to uh, look down upon teenagers. You know, it's, it's, it's nothing new. Um, or, you know, young adults. It's, it's, it's nothing new in that sense. Um, yeah. It's, uh, it, it, it's, it's a generational thing. You know, every generation goes through that same process. Um, I, think, I think younger people need to be given a bit of slack. Uh, but at the same time, uh, in terms of... The, I think there are still certain principles that need to be... Um, need to need to remain in place you know through the generations you know there's a reason why generations will will pass down stories or wisdom um there's a reason why there's a certain level of that that continues but at the same time um i i think yeah in terms of the way everything changes so quickly we should be uh given a bit more slack yeah i suppose but i i wonder if there's a bit of an element from older generations who think well we had to go through the horror and the shite of being young and so mm-hmm. young people too we were given no excuses and no mitigation for being the dickheads that you all are when you're sort of mm-hmm. coming of age um so it's almost like a a little bit of nasty bitter um age-driven schadenfreude going on. yeah i i get the feeling that it's almost like um a vengeance in some way you know it, <laughs> yeah, it has that that kind of narrative to it it's like well we were young and we fucked up and our parents treated us this way so it's kind of a, a weird cycle that repeats itself um yeah but i think in terms of the way the generational gaps are it's a totally different ball game at the moment in terms of uh how we interact with each other yeah, well, you know, you're the digital generation. You presumably can't remember a time before the internet, for example. Uh, I mean, I was born 96, so I was literally kind of at the birth <laughs> of the internet. Um, yeah. And I can remember a few good things prior to... I mean, the internet kind of worked in stages. You know, a lot of the, a lot of the conveniences we have right now with smartphone technology... I've been able to kind of witness the steady implementation of that that sort of thing. Yeah. So it it's not like I really missed out in any way because it was a gradual for me, I've been able to see a gradual change. Whereas somebody born right now sort of within like the last decade um it's been quite prevalent. You know, I remember as a kid, you know, you'd still be circling an Argos catalogue to, to choose what yeah. it is that you want to, to buy for Christmas, you know. Uh, but now everybody just goes on to uh, whichever retailer it is online uh, because it's, it's more convenient that way. Um, you know, I remember, you know, people didn't have easy, simple access to the internet just to search up 
um, information all the time. And oh, it's yeah. so easy to do now. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, I remember doing projects at school where I'd have to go to a library and you know physically look in books or uh, put a CD-ROM into the PC. Mm. Like there was there was no option to just dive on the internet and find things out. It was it was a lot more hard work, I would say. Doing it all yeah, there were there were more steps involved. That's for sure. Yeah, oh, I kind of miss those days. And I, what, what I also miss is that thing of being in the pub and people having a discussion about, I don't know, it could be absolutely anything. What? Oh, how old is this actor, for example? And now everyone can just go, hey, Siri, or hey, Google, and just find out. And, and, and that all of that debate element is, is just gone, where people would, wouldn't yeah, have I mean, answer and you could just have a yeah. discussion. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, in terms of like pub etiquette it that's completely changed in <laughs> itself um yeah I, I i can't stand it when people get out their mobile phones it's like you meet up with somebody in person for that specific reason you know to hang out with each other in person face to face and interact and have discussions and all that sort of thing and you know i, I typically keep my phone in my pocket or i might even go to the length of switching it off or keep it on silent or something like that just because I know that I'm there to see that person um, and you have that kind of level of courtesy. Um, mm. But yeah, in terms of, you know, people like getting notifications every second and like picking up the phone and always checking it or posting something on Instagram or checking Facebook or, you know, what, while you're sitting there opposite them with a pint or a glass of wine or whatever it might be, um, it takes away from the interaction completely. And it's, um, it, it's, um, yeah, in terms of the way it's changed, it has its benefits, but I think overall the way people are so hooked on, you know, I, I feel like, I feel, I, feel I, I kind of in the same way, I miss the simplicity. Um, yeah. I kind of miss the 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 ignorance, you know. It sounds strange, but I I, I it's almost like um, ignorance is bliss in that sense because <clears throat> you know it's it's like at that point if if you're sitting next to somebody and you like you say you're talking and you're getting along and having a discussion, um, it's 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 more focused about you and them rather than having this third party intervene and. In, in terms of the, the social interaction, I mean, we already know with the research that's been done and, and it's still being studied that mobile phones have the biggest detriment right now to, to young people and everyone as a whole. Um, so it's definitely, I've noticed a shift for sure in terms of, because, you know, back when I was much younger and I was living at my parents' house and you know, the, the only kind of friends that you'd have near you would be your, like your next door neighbors and you kind of treat them like your best first kind of best friends and, and you'd, you know, see them on a regular basis. And um, there wouldn't be as much access to the internet as, as there is now. So, yeah. And, and, and I suppose the technology has changed the social aspect of everything so much. Um, just talking in terms of social media, I could spend an hour talking about that alone, but 
Um, if you have any other questions you'd want to ask, I'd, I'd encourage that. Absolutely. I mean, I was I was just thinking as as you were talking then about yeah, you say the way social interactions are has changed massively. I've read up about the fact that apparently a lot of young people now get anxiety if they receive phone calls or if somebody calls around mm-hmm. their house because this they've become so used to interactions all coming through this what five inch screen that anything in real life is is completely daunting to them and yeah, yeah. So, well so, i can hold my hands and say i'm absolutely uh guilty of that myself i mean really? in terms of yeah absolutely i mean in terms of um just the impact of people's mental health in terms of social interaction and actually having the skills to be able to interact with people you know people kind of I think young people have this concept that, you know, as humans, we already have some of these things built in, which to an extent we do, but it's also a thing that, that is learned and you, you, you know, the aim is that you get better at these things and more confident with these things. And so, like you say, when you're relying solely on communication through a mobile phone, um, whether that be just through texting somebody or or uh, whatever the other means it might be, you do lose those those skills. I mean, um, yeah. and, and in terms of the, uh, for example, if you wanted to go a bit more into the mental health side of things, things in terms of uh, rates rates of depression and anxiety, um, in every single category, whether it be young or old, um, it, it's on the increase. Yeah, and it's it's not slowing down. No, and it's it's frightening, isn't it? Because one of the best ways to help people through depression and anxiety episodes is to spend time with them, even though their initial reaction might be, "No, I don't want to see anybody. I don't want to talk to them." Mm-hmm. Quite often, I'm not saying this is the um, overarching answer to all of these kinds of problems, but more often than not, actually, if they can just push through that initial discomfort of no, I don't want to see anybody. Once you do meet up with somebody and you've got that one-to-one interaction with somebody, you're just, you're just spending time in somebody's company. That is, you know, immensely helpful. Yeah, so and when you think about become... it as well, yeah, absolutely. It's sort of become the norm, really, hasn't it? And I think when you um, when you think about the fact that really, if you if you locked yourself away and you didn't go outside, you could still be uh, preoccupied and entertained by your mobile phone um, without any interruptions and yeah. <clears throat> it you know you can still in a way you can still interact with people but it, it's like I said it's kind of lacking it's it's lacking the the mental exercise required yeah. for those social skills yeah because obvious I mean this is a completely obvious statement to make but when you're messaging somebody, obviously you can rehearse what you're saying because because it's written. So you can do a final draft. Whereas obviously when you're having a conversation, it's live and it's raw and it's unscripted. And mm. like you say, that is more of a mental exercise. That art mm. of having a real live conversation with somebody, um, I fear might be getting lost. And I've noticed where, you know, sort of over the past 10 years or so, because <clears throat> I work in... Um, human resources and i do recruitment and stuff if i phone somebody from 
obviously having their phone number where I've got their CV and I'm contacting them to say, hey, would you like to come in for an interview? <clears throat> I've noticed more and more and more people will not answer the phone, but then they'll text me back. And, and right. sometimes people have said, oh, I didn't, I didn't know who was calling, so I didn't answer the phone. And it's not that I've withheld the number. It's just a mobile number that they don't recognize. But that right. itself is... Uh, you know, frightening to people but yeah it's just a phone call it's just it's just this woman called andrea who works in human resources that's asking you if you want to come for an interview i'm not mm -hmm. phoning for any kind of sinister reason but it's i just find that really really saddening yeah that people i mean um can't even handle a phone call but it, it's, it's yeah. off the back of them having sent an application for a job so what do you expect surely and i, I think i think the important thing to recognize call. as well is is that it's the sad thing is that it's not their fault, you know? Um, yeah. It, it's not like it's objectively their choice, in a sense. It's that the way that th this technology is kind of... I mean, this this might be a bit of an exaggeration, but I'm going to use the term. In, in, in terms of the way the technology has kind of groomed our thinking. Um, yeah. And the way that we present ourselves... Um, I, I do feel like we're losing these fundamental skills and it's something that I've had to relearn myself and I'm still not 100% uh, the best at. But um, I think one thing I can say, as much as I slate stereo and as much as I say that uh, I spend far too much time on it, the one positive I can draw from it is that it's at least helped me to articulate uh, you know, and, and speak about issues and be able to be kind of confident in in sharing my thoughts um exactly and yeah i mean overall um that's the one thing i can say about stereo for sure but in terms of like the example you've given i'm definitely one of those people who can catastrophize things uh, be very self-critical um and get very anxious unless these sorts of things are already, um, you know, scheduled ahead of time. Um, and obviously the, 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 the realistic thing is that a lot of things in life aren't scheduled. You know, you have to be able yeah. to deal with these things within the moment and make decisions within the moment. And that in itself is a skill. Yeah, it really is actually. And that's what, um, well, that's that's what we're here for. I do fear as well that there are lots of people that are ready to talk, would love to be given the platform to talk. But unfortunately, people also aren't willing to listen. It's like people just want to shout their own opinion, but they don't want to hear anybody else's. And as soon as somebody challenges an opinion, it's automatic, you know, offence has been right. taken. Right. As soon as somebody feels challenged, um, they they back down from the uh, the conflict. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because yeah, you know, challenging somebody's opinion isn't necessarily an aggressive thing to do or an unhealthy thing to do. I think it, it's it's very healthy to have your thoughts challenged. That's that's part of the kind of tapestry of life, isn't it? That people have different viewpoints, so you discuss yeah. them all. But it's almost like now you. I don't know, because of the polarisation of people now that seems ever more present on social media, you, you either have one extreme view 
or the other and the two cannot see eye to eye and agree any points at all it's just oh mm-hmm. you're this you're that and we and we can never be friends we can never um engage in a decent conversation about it yeah and it just makes me I mean, sad and that's that's why i don't go on twitter anymore because twitter just feels like oh one massive gosh problem. you went on twitter <laughs> oh no <laughs> that's <laughs> I mean, when you actually, it's interesting, when you actually look at the amount of people who actively use Twitter and you compare that to another social media platform like, say, Facebook, for example, yeah. you can see actually the large amount of publicity that Twitter gets. It's such a small number of people that are, are saying these things. Um, and yet the media will um, kind of, what's the best way to say it? I'm trying to think of the right word now. Um they will kind of embellish and 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 make out uh, Twitter to be this this big audience that should be listened to, um, mm. and that the people on there actually have. I'm sure some people on there have have some good things to say, but they make out as if uh, this small margin of people are kind of the authority and the voice of the majority. The Twitterati. Yes. <laughs> I really yes. hate when you read a news article and it says something like and Twitter absolutely exploded and I, and I think well so there was a reaction to something on Twitter that isn't part surely that's not part of your journalism is it because if you're just going to report about things that are on Twitter well then I can just go and look at that myself that isn't your journalism does that make sense yeah I mean traditional journalism is dead um, I mean I mean, TV took over radio and the internet is taking over TV. We, all, we, we can already see this with our own eyes um, with streaming services and everything on demand. Um, you, you don't really, with, just with the vast wealth of information and research that's available out there, uh, you, you don't need to rely on just one narrative anymore and you shouldn't. Absolutely. So where, where do we, the, the thing that worries me is I, <clears throat> sometimes I feel quite uninformed because I don't know which media outlet to trust. So to err on the side of caution, I just don't trust any. And yeah, there is, there is a risk of making me ignorant by doing that. But right. as Mark Twain once famously said, you read the newspaper, you're <clears throat> misinformed. But is that better or worse than being uninformed by not reading anything at all? Right. I'm glad you said that because I was going to paraphrase a very similar thing that was actually uh, quoted by Denzel Washington. You know, if, 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 you, uh, if you don't read the newspaper, you're uninformed. But if you do, you're misinformed. So it's, it's along the same lines. Um, he got that from Mark Twain, though, which is the what you said was close to the original quote. I accidentally just massively butchered. Oh it. no, no, no! But I mean that it's the same point. Like, like Denzel makes a very good point in the same way that Mark Twain does. Um, yeah. In a sense, in a sense, you're doomed if you do, and you're doomed if you don't. But I think the point is to get as many different perspectives as possible. Um, I think the issue at the moment is that. Um, the majority of the media that we're seeing is mostly just agreeing with itself. Yes, there is um, an agenda. There, there doesn't seem to be many different variations of opinion, and that's a dangerous thing. Yeah, because people need 
to enhance their critical ability to mm. yeah i mean at the end the of the day if, yeah i mean at the end of the day there needs to be some level of critical thinking and analysis and if we're just taking in uh, a narrative that everybody agrees with well how do you really know if if that is the uh the correct thing to begin with um and i think this is where you know, your question that you posed earlier in terms of uh, who do I trust? Well, I, I suppose I would side on caution in terms of trusting nobody because, of course, having that level of distrust of everything means that when information comes to light that is, is objectively correct or at least um, is... is, 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 is has a fairly you know rational level headed opinion um that could be completely missed out um and i i think in terms of how do you get around that it's it's really about trying to look at things in a more objective way and trying to measure people's responses yeah i would say so um and that's not an easy thing to do yeah it's not an easy thing to do i i I was annoyed with um bbc breakfast this morning because you know obviously today was freedom day as it were i didn't know that (laughs) sorry did you say you did know that no i'm saying i didn't know that but i haven't uh i haven't actually uh watched any any bbc news for a while but yeah sure um yeah, if you want to go ahead and just explain it to me. So Freedom Day was what it was being dubbed in the media because today was the you know the last bit of COVID-related restrictions being lifted. So the the mandatory requirement to wear face masks in various places has been lifted. <clears throat> but my issue was that on BBC Breakfast they were saying, oh, well, it's not a legal requirement to wear a face covering now. So people are really confused by it because the government have said it's down to your personal judgment whether you wear one and where you wear one and I thought but what is actually confusing about that because the government has said if you if you think you still should wear one then of course you can but you don't have to anymore so people are allowed to use their own judgment yeah it seems to me like uh it's more of a an ethics question rather than an objective scientific one at that point it's it's i mean i like to be object as objective as possible and i would see no reason for people to wear a mask at the moment based on the statistics and based on the the the, uh the the actions that have been taken with obviously vaccinations etc etc um and i i can understand why uh it would be uh, um said that you know, it kind of should be left to a subjective opinion as to whether or not you want to wear a mask. But I, I don't really think it's responsible of the BBC to sort of put across to their viewers that <clears throat> everybody's really confused about this. Because it made me think, well, I'm not confused. Should I be confused? And then I thought, right. oh, shit, I'm getting into a sheep or lemming mentality here where I'm being told what to think against my own better judgment which is my interpretation of what the government has said is that 
this is now your choice. This is down to you. This is your personal responsibility. It's not the same as, oh, it was a, um, it was mandatory to wear a face mask in all these places. And now it's illegal to wear a face covering in all these places. It's, it's not gone from one extreme to the other. It just means that something that was mandatory has now become a choice. And I, and I think that concept is incredibly simple. And I just find it weird for mm. any outlet to say, oh, no, the, the whole nation is so confused by it. Well, how stupid mm. do you think the nation is then? Because yeah. to me, as a, as a relatively normal, rational person, I don't find it confusing. So surely other people aren't necessarily. Yeah, I think the concept of saying that it's such a confusing, chaotic thing um, just adds into the hysteria and the panic of, of people who yeah. are genuinely concerned. Um, whether that concern is, is misplaced or whatever, that's another argument. But I think in terms of stating that that the UK is in a, in a level of panic and confusion uh, does not help anybody in any way at all. No, it doesn't. It's... <laughs> It just if anything, it makes people it makes people more indecisive, and it makes them, um, it makes them more confused, and it, it makes them more uncertain of their own beliefs. Yeah, exactly. It's 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 quite a dangerous tool, and this is why, again, back to sort of critical thinking, you cannot sit there and just simply swallow this shit that the bbc or whoever will put out and the bbc is the kind of organization that you would hope is a trustworthy source but of course it isn't well i'm of the opinion i mean i'm of the opinion that the bbc used to be a fairly impartial broadcaster um they used to say the news as it is state the headlines as they are and try and remain as impartial as possible without leaning towards whatever political field uh, you might associate with uh, the media. Because, of course, we know that media, different outlets have inherent biases, et cetera, et cetera. And it's important to recognize and be upfront about those things to begin with. But um, the, the BBC doesn't implicitly say uh, when they're being biased. And... Well, of course not. And I think that's an issue. I think um, it's 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 really a difficult time on the moment because I, I personally I would see the the, the BBC leaning it much further now than they used to towards progressive ideas, um, and I myself would would have traditionally considered myself to be quite liberal in my values. Yeah. Um, but the the things, the headlines that I've heard over the past five years that uh, 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 put on the news purely to instigate and divide and be divisive or to slander somebody without proper context or use misinformation. Um, and I, whether it just be within, you know, the production itself or the editing or whatever else it might be, um, Seems to me like the BBC has got a clear bias, but it's not willing to admit it. Well, no, because they're, like you say, trying to present themselves as objectively as possible, and they don't want to blow well, their own cover, I suppose. I mean, yeah, I mean, the thing is that I prefer they would just 
as impartial as possible, but I would actually prefer it much more if they were just open and honest um, about where their views stem from. You know, if you just had news outlets saying, look, we're, we have much more conservative values here or we have much more liberal values here, I'd prefer people to be much more upfront because then you know what you're getting. Um, whereas it's much, much more kind of a, a cloak and dagger situation with a lot of media outlets where they won't explicitly be honest and tell um, viewers, you know, where the, their principles stem from and why they're covering certain topics um, or even, you know, where they come to the narrative conclusion. Um, I mean, I heard, I, I, it was one BBC um, article, uh, I, I actually might have been ITV, it was one of the main news sources, I, I don't want to misquote it, but it was one of the, the you know, the big, the big sort of three or four. Yeah. Um, and there was a, a, I believe it was like a short documentary, um, and the, the headline just baffled me. And I believe it was the the man uh, who hosted this, uh, David Lammy, I think is his name. Um, right. But the, uh, the 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 topic of discussion was: Is COVID nineteen racist? What well, is an infectious disease racist? Yes, yes. Is an okay. infectious disease capable of uh, racially uh, dividing um, people? Yeah, well, is is it racist? Is it? It's not. So it's it's how, not going to have those preferences. So is that not the most ridiculous question of the day? Surely. Yeah, but the thing is, this sort of stuff is getting views now. You can make the argument that objectively, um, uh, different. What am I trying to say now? I'm trying to get the right words. Um, you can say objectively that awfully different uh, categories age group, race, et cetera, can have uh, more vulnerabilities to contracting COVID-19 uh, yes. based on their cultural background, uh, their diets, their overall health, crime rates, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Whatever it might be, you can say, look, these people are more vulnerable to this. But to make the claim that um, a disease like COVID-19 is inherently racist, um, I mean, if... If, uh, if 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 um, having comorbidities uh, means that the disease is racist, like what? Well, well, it's just how can you paint that narrative picture and expect people to take it seriously? Well, the the troubling thing is that some people will take that seriously and will actually consider it, but it's completely illogical. So it doesn't even warrant any entertainment whatsoever. Mm. It's a and so the, the issue is that this, th these sorts of, um, these sorts of, uh, this this sort of information is coming from an authority figure. <laughs> you know. Yeah, which is which is yeah the most worrying thing about it really, isn't it? Can I, I, can mean, I just say we've we've had two uh, messages from people. Should we give them a quick listen? Yeah, go ahead. Okay. Bear with me. Oh, they're from the same person. Hold on. Isn't the BBC funded by the government or they receive uh, heavy subsidies? 
to make it affordable for them to compete with everyone else. But if they're funded by the state, then wouldn't it be difficult for them to be impartial? Well, yes, quite. Joe, from sounds like he's by the sea, somewhere lovely, seagulls knocking about. Yeah, the BBC is government funded, but it's always tried to be. Oh, you know, we are still objective, though. Honestly, honestly, we don't have an agenda. But yeah, you're right. If it's funded by the state, well, the thing is, it can't be. Okay. Everybody has everybody has an inherent bias. But what I'm trying to say is that they should be open and honest about that bias to begin with. Um, and it just seems like the media will try and conceal itself. And of course, nobody can be 100% impartial. That's not what I'm, I'm trying to present. I'm not saying, uh, but I'm saying you should try and mitigate things to just state the objective facts as they are, instead of painting a narrative to go alongside of that which can then cause, um, you know, cause many other issues. But, Liam, I'm sure you're aware that if you're upfront about your bias, then your ability to persuade and influence is diminished. So that's never actually going to happen, is it, unfortunately? Well, I mean, at the end of the day, the, the, the objective of the media is to try and get as many, garter as many views as possible. Um, so obviously yeah. if, if they were completely upfront and honest, of course, what you're saying would have a, a certain amount of merit to it. Um, but I think people would appreciate it much more if they were just told, uh, the situation, um, you know, yeah. whether they want to agree or disagree with that is entirely up to them. Um, but there, yeah, I think there is definitely a way to be. Um, in a situation where you can at least remain as impartial as possible, but at least try and show both sides um, of a story. You know, try and try and relate the information in um, and interpret it in where in and in a way in which it doesn't lean towards one side or the other but tries to judge tries to just state the facts as they are yeah okay let's hear the second message from joe persons of color were disproportionately affected by covid19 as opposed to people that were white so i think that's why that report warrants his stance on whether it can be whether the virus was racist basically that's why I think he said it. Yeah, but I mean, the concept of racism is, is oppression against somebody because of the color of their skin. But a, uh, a, a disease like COVID-19 doesn't discriminate in the sense that it, it can be, it, can, it doesn't ha under, have the understanding of the ideology of racism. Um, and obviously different diseases, no matter which disease, whether it's COVID-19 or, or um, SARS or any other variant, um, <clears throat> there's always going to be different groups that are affected by these things in different ways. Um, but to make the claim that it's inherently racist, that's, that's on much more of an ethical statement rather than an, an objective, you know, scientific look at things. Yeah, well, I mean, we've, we've covered this. Obviously, an infectious disease is incapable of discriminatory acts. So... It was it was just a ludicrous headline, like you say, as a kind of clickbait technique. 
So yeah, I, I mean, diseases don't discriminate. Literally, yeah, diseases because, don't discriminate because they don't have the thought capacity to do that. Racism yeah. is a human concept. Um, is this Joe again? Oh no, we've got a new message from somebody called Bry. You don't know any stories? All right, I'll tell you a story. This is a newspaper, right? It's ninety percent bullshit. <laughs> yeah, all right, mate. I mean, I mean, not- uh, if you didn't notice there, that was um, clearly Denzel Washington's voice. So that was a nice <laughs> little jab there. That was a nice yeah. reference. Um, I, like, I like how he just cut straight to it. Like this is just a ninety percent bullshit. Love it. Yeah. I mean, you're always going to find that with with outlets. It's just I would prefer it if they were just direct with, you know, if if they're going to give these opinions or or add these views, just be straight up about it, you know. Um, Dear readers, this article was partially funded by the Conservative Party. Yeah, I mean, why is that so difficult to digest? Um, If you don't want to read it, you don't have to. If you want to read it, you can. That's that's kind of the the concept of uh, having you know liberty and freedom. So you know if you don't like the channel on the TV, just switch to another one. And my issue is that with uh, the current structure of a lot of these media outlets at the moment, is they all lean the same same way. So I, I think in the end, in terms of trying to remain. Of course, nobody can be 100% objective and nobody can be 100% impartial and different outlets have their own biases. But if people were just more transparent about that, um, it would make things much easier to actually, you know, you wouldn't be, like you said before, you wouldn't be so confused about the whole thing because you could at least know directly where you're going to get the opinion from and what kind of narrative they're going to spin. And at that point, that's where you can then say, okay, I'll look at a few different newspaper articles I'll look at a few different pieces of information, I'll do my research, and I'll come to my own conclusion. But because none of them are willing to be transparent about, um, you know, the agendas behind the news articles, uh, this is the situation we get into where it's just chaos. But it shouldn't be chaos, should it? People should be able to understand that the bias exists without them having to admit to it. Yeah, this is the difficult thing because then it becomes a language game. Mm. We've got another message. Bear with. I'm in the. Oh. Whoops. I'm in the gym right now, so I'm a bit. If I go silent in responding to a message, that's why. But in terms of the virus, can't be. It can't be racist because it's not sentient. The people that design the viruses, and there are viruses that have been designed, of course. For, biological warfare and all that jazz. I'm not saying COVID is, but, you know, people that design the viruses can make the virus inherently biased. Oh, yeah, I completely agree with that. There, throughout humanity, there have been um, biological diseases that have been uh, used in various ways. Um, it's not unknown that, you know, throughout the Second World War, uh, Japan developed, you know, they had factories where they would do uh, testing for biological weapons specifically to try and take out uh, Western civilization. Uh, But there are many, many more examples in terms of uh, diseases specifically being manufactured to target certain uh, ethnic backgrounds, et cetera, et cetera. But I I think maybe this is is going a little bit of a tangent here, 
Um, yeah. But in terms of in terms of like the original thing that we, we were just trying to get to the point of, essentially what we're saying is diseases don't discriminate. Yeah. <laughs> that that is our rallying cry. Diseases themselves yeah. don't discriminate because they they can't. They just well, you can you can pass you can pass something that's infectious to anybody, whether it be a disease or or um, bacteria or any other type of uh, infection or or anything. Um, it can be passed from person to person, regardless. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but yeah, if you want to go on to the whole topic of uh, um, actually, this is an interesting one. Actually, I just want to touch on this a little bit. Might be on a bit of a tangent, but. In terms of what's re- been reported, in terms of uh, Fauci and uh, China and the Wuhan virus, um, originally there was the claim that it was zoonotic and that it came from a bat. Um, yeah. That claim was held for a while, uh, but it, it's recently been known that actually Fauci had received a number of emails from scientists stressing the fact that actually looking and breaking down the, um, the virus itself and the uh, the fabric that actually makes up the virus, it, it did show signs that it, it was um, manipulated. Uh, and uh, essentially, w- what's come out of it is is the media initially had silenced the idea that it had come from a Wuhan lab that's just a mile away from the the uh, the wet markets. And this theory was completely silenced and you know, uh, denied and shut down as just being a conspiracy theory. But now it's, 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 it's actually the media have completely turned on their statement and now are saying, actually, this is plausible. This is a possible thing. Um, so for the longest time, anybody who would even speak about the suggestion of uh, the virus uh, leaking from a factory, uh, sorry, a, a laboratory, um, now it's being now that more information has come to light, um, it seems that it's more probable that actually it has come from a laboratory. And Sky News Australia and other media outlets have proven that uh, within the laboratory they were actually testing bats. And you know, there's a whole heap of information I could make reference to, but it, it, to get past the point of coronavirus itself. I think the bigger issue for me is the fact that the media initially just completely censored the idea, didn't want to mention it, and just deemed it a conspiracy theory without, you know, without giving it credence and seeing if it actually held up and giving it some accountability. And so, yeah, that, that's my, my big issue with the media is that they will completely throw this out the window and then suddenly they backpedal once new information comes to light. But then new information coming to light is going to change the narrative. So you can't sort of resent the media too hard for for that because new, new information is obviously, well, it is what it is, isn't it? Like you, the, the, the headline yeah, might I be can... different in light of new information. Yeah. So it's actually kind of responsible to... I can understand the argument now. So this is different. I can understand the argument you're making there, but I think maybe the argument you're making doesn't quite hold up because for the longest time, people had been stressing this. Scientists have been stressing this from the very beginning that this was a potential uh, cause, but it, it was it was denied and shoved under the carpet, even though there was evidence 
to suggest an alternative origin. Um, mm. And for the longest time, the media didn't want to spotlight it, didn't want to send anything against it, and they actively, they actively, you know, disregarded anybody mentioning it as just a hooligan or a conspiracy theorist or just somebody that's just talking absolute rubbish. When these are high-level academics that are actually making these these suggestions and actually doing this research and finding the evidence. Um, and, and now suddenly, uh, suddenly they've, they've, they've decided to uh, pivot and, and, uh, yeah, it's, it's a really big thing. I, I'm not entirely versed in it fully, but I think just as a concept, it's, it's a pretty scary thing when you realize that the media is willing to just suddenly change their narrative uh, when the information to begin with was just outright denied, it wasn't even it wasn't even considered or looked into further. It was very much just kept out of the limelight as a uh, a potential origin. Yeah, I mean that's standard controlling of the proles, isn't it? Keeping them in the dark and feed them bullshit. We've got a couple more messages, by the way. Let's listen to those. Oh, it's Joe again. I know you don't want to stay on this topic too much, and that's fine. But just as an ending point. What about the mutations? Although they're not inherently biased, there are mutations of the virus that are affecting disproportionate amounts of people from different parts of the world, as opposed to, you know, the UK. The Delta variant is more rampant in other parts of the, the world, as opposed to the UK. So, is that not biased? Can you, I mean, can you quickly clarify something for me in like a, you know, a soundbite? Why is it that Australian, the Sky News Australia, seem to be actually promulgating facts whereas the british sky news channel are just perpetuating the same misnomers or the same fallacies that everyone else is doing why is it australia sky the same company aren't they unless they're a subsidiary i mean what why is it the australian version's more factually correct and the british version isn't what's going on with that you know, that's a good question, Scouse Mouse. I, I don't know the exact <laughs> reasons, but I believe it's down to the regulations as to how the media and the freedom of press works within Australia. And I also think, think it's to do with the um, the actual head of the organisation, where he resides and how much control he actually has over Sky News Australia. I couldn't give you exact details. I, I don't know them to hand. But I believe the way that... Um, uh, Australia actually governs its uh, freedom of freedom of information is different to the way it's governed in the UK. Hence, why we've seen issues with Facebook in the past um, in terms of uh, Australia's information and how information is transferred and traded uh, online within Australia. Uh, there was a whole lawsuit um, in regards to uh, Facebook selling information from Australia, uh, vice versa. Um, I, I don't know what the conclusion of that case was, but uh, what I'm trying to get at is, is, as far as I know, Australia has different regulations. Yeah, undoubtedly. That is a really interesting point. I didn't know about this massive disparity between the two until this evening. So that's been insightful for me. And I think it's something I will go and look into a little bit more. Um, but- yeah, I mean, I'd say definitely. Uh, oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry to kind of cut you off there, but I'm going to have to go now. But what I was going to say mm-hmm. to you was, do, would you like to maybe do another talk another time? Yeah, sure. That sounds good. Yeah. Are there any particular days, times that are good for you? 
Um, yeah, I mean, pff, what were you thinking? Um, maybe Monday evening next week. Okay. You know what? If we set that, if we set that up, um, if there's any issues, uh, I'll contact you somehow. I think, but uh, yeah, if I can't make it, I'll, I'll reschedule it myself, just so that you can see that uh, I won't be able to attend. But it should be fine. That shouldn't be an issue. I should be able to do that on Monday. Great, because I think we there's a lot we could unpack here, and if there are any particular issues that you you particularly want to talk about or focus on for next mm-hmm. time then we can absolutely do that but part of what i'm enjoying about creating shows is that they are unscripted i mean we can have kind of you know a, a rough couple of agenda points ish but i'm yeah. very keen not to not to script anything and just chat and just see where yeah. we go and see who ends yeah. up dropping us a, a voice message I think that's one of the big differences as well with uh, the way that media traditionally has been run, where you'd only have a set amount of time to say things. They're often heavily edited and cut down. But with this form of long length discussion, you can really go into detail and fully understand the context of where people are forming their opinions and what's actually being said. Yeah, exactly. So that's why if, you know, when I add this to the podcast feed, this is going to mm-hmm. be as is, you know, again, unscripted, yeah. unedited. That's the beauty of me. it. Yeah. Yeah. Chatting shit, but not actually shit. I think we've been you know, covering some interesting. I mean, topics. we can chat about anything. We can chat about the shitty weather recently. I could complain about that for a while. <laughs> <laughs> you mean the shitty weather that's been absolutely glorious? Yeah. Yeah. The glorious shitty weather that I absolutely love to hate. Oh, Liam, come on. <laughs> no, Don't honestly, um, it is, honestly, it is, uh, it's really nice weather. It's just that I, it just changed so quickly. I mean, when I go to a foreign country, I expect it, but uh, I, I didn't see this coming. No, thank God for air conditioning, eh? Yeah, I mean, if you're lucky enough to get it. <laughs> ah, well. Um, not to be too boastful, but yeah, I get it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm, 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 I'm not going to be jealous. I'm not going to be jealous. That's fine. <laughs> no, well, I, we, yeah, maybe we could talk a bit more about what we do for a living next time, perhaps a little. See yeah, if that's uh, that's something we can talk about. But um, sure I want to say thank you. Thank you very much for accepting my invitation, given especially given that you don't know me and I don't know you, and it probably all seems a bit random that I sent you the request for the conversation. No, it's fine. Uh, it, it came off the back of listening to you talk to some other people, and I thought, yeah, he seems like a decent guy to have a little chat with. So again, thank you very much. Good stuff. And we'll oh, thank you very much for inviting week. me. Thank you very oh, much. You're very welcome. Have a great week, and I hope you get some more glorious shitty weather. take care (laughs) you too cheers bye